What is it with this feeling I have about the Pathfinder beginner box? Why does my heart smile when I dig around in the second edition of this game? What draws me to Galarian and the colourful peoples of this classical fantasy realm? Jay's gonna bring me back Give me a plus one to attack Oh, 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 I want to come back to the dice Whoa, oh, 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 I think I need some good advice I need a role-play rescue, oh yeah I need a role-play rescue, oh yeah, oh yeah Hello Rescuers, I'm Che Webster and this is Roleplay Rescue the podcast about rediscovering our love for tabletop role-playing games. Something strange has been happening over the past couple of weeks, and I've been pushing the edges of my comfort zone and kind of stepping out to see what kind of tabletop role-playing experience lies outside of the rather narrow confines I had previously backed myself into. On a whim, I grabbed a copy of the Pathfinder 2nd Edition beginner box and, well, I've been grubbing around with it ever since. This episode I want to share my early impressions of the game and bring you in on the process of taking the beginner box to the virtual table. This is Season 8, Episode 10, Learning Pathfinder. 10 Things I've Enjoyed. My contact with Pathfinder started back with my buying into the Dungeons & Dragons 3rd edition back in 2000. You probably know that Pathfinder, the first edition Paizo created, was born from their initial support of D&D 3rd edition, which had continued in to 3.5. Wikipedia tells me that, quote, the Pathfinder role-playing game is a fantasy role-playing game that was published in 2009 by Paizo Publishing. The first edition extends and modifies the system reference document based on the revised 3rd edition Dungeons & Dragons, published by Wizards of the Coast under the Open Game License, and is intended to be backward compatible with that edition. The first major revision of the rule set, Pathfinder 2nd Edition, was released in August 2019. End quote. And December 2019 was when I bought Pathfinder's 2nd Edition core rulebook. I was, initially less than impressed. In truth, I didn't give it a fair shake. While I enjoyed the first couple of chapters, I allowed my first impressions to trigger my own prejudices. I must, blushingly, confess that I was bothered by the use of language such as ancestry instead of the more traditional race, the use of icons to signal the number of actions and activity takes, and a lot of the artwork, which, while of high quality, wasn't always to my liking. But that wasn't the whole story. I was reacting against what I perceived as an unnecessary change. Sitting here today, I now hold a different opinion. Perhaps this was how players of Dungeons & Dragons 2nd Edition felt when they rejected the bright, shiny newness of 3rd Edition. Perhaps it's how the 3rd Edition players felt when they were presented with the bright, shiny newness of 4th Edition. I don't know. I don't want to trigger memories of the so-called Edition Wars but I am reflecting on my own stubbornness of heart when it comes to a lot of modern, glossy, high-priced games published by big gaming houses. Paizo were, for a few short years, the creators of the world's best-selling game. When D&D's 4th edition was too much for many of the 3rd edition's fans, Paizo's Pathfinder was their go-to system. 
For all the recent reputation as too complicated, Pathfinder is still played more than most other role-playing games on the market. Certainly the rise of D&D's 5th edition has ended the great love that once was heard for Pathfinder, but there is a strong base for that game out there, or at least so I'm led to believe. Of course, all of this is just my impression of the way things have been and are today, and I am an old grog who knows jack-all about the modern role-playing scene, really. When D&D 4th edition didn't survive in my group, I turned my back on the Wizards of the Coast and I ran into the arms of the early, old-school renaissance, wherein I largely failed to find a welcome. After that, I turned to the D100 and discovered Mithras and the excellent classic fantasy supplement by Rod Leary, and all was well until 2019, when the wheels began to fall off my hobby. And so, a few weeks ago now, I decided to dust off my Pathfinder 2nd edition. I would have looked at the 1st edition had I not sold all those books years ago. And I tried to read this new book, as I have been working to do with Monty Cook's stuff in recent weeks, with very fresh eyes. The beginner's mind. The willingness to naively see what is on offer, which is how I came to buy myself a copy of the Pathfinder Beginner Box. Hey there, folks. Um, I thought I'd do something very mad and um, open this on camera, really. I thought I'd do a quick unboxing. So um, this is the Pathfinder 2nd Edition um, Beginner Box. And um, yeah, it came through the post today, so let's dive in, hey? Let's see what we've got. Um, so you might be wondering why on earth I got the Pathfinder Beginner Box. Well, it's part of my kind of trying to change my my way of thinking. It's part of my therapy, I guess. I'm I'm actually looking at games in a different way, looking at different approaches. I'm thinking a lot about doing some solo play and some classic gaming. And Pathfinder Second Edition is something that kind of represents the, I guess, a kind of different way of approaching games to what I'm used to. Uh, throw it over there. Um, I'll put that in the bin later, honest. And I don't know, I just felt like it really. I thought like it might actually be quite an interesting thing to do. So here we are, um, opening the box. Mm. Oh, I do love the smell of a new box, don't you? Awesome. So, yep, here we are. This is the box. Nice artwork and everything else. What have we got inside? Let's have a look. Um, a bag of bases, a bag of dice, um, sirens, a sirenscape. Um, yep, download a fancy player with 10 included sound sets for free. 30 day free sirenscape. No, that was going to come. Right, classic stuff. Read this first. Um, if you're on your own, Pathfinder is designed for group play, but this box includes a solo adventure. For the win! I absolutely didn't know it contained that, so that's really good. Open the Heroes Handbook to page two, play Pirates King Plunder, which will teach you the basics of the game. You have other group, then there's other stuff. Right, okay. So, yeah, this shows you all the com components. There we go. Um, much more fun to get my hands on them, though. So I've got uh, player reference cards. Uh, so these have... Um, yeah, essentially, like, like on your turn, what you can do. Um, and on the back, condition stuff, which is always uh, interesting. And then, oh, we've got carrot sheets. So I've got Valoros the Fighter. Um, these are like, yeah, four page. So Valoros the Fighter, there we go. Um, opens up to a 
four page character sheet. So I've got, um, try and do this properly Webster. Um, I've got artwork on the front and I've got the character sheet, um, notes on everything on the character sheet and then a bit about him on the back with a bit of artwork, which is kind of nice. I've got Valorous the, the, the fighter, Ezra and the wizard. Um, ooh, Kyra the cleric. And I never liked this piece of artwork, but Mericiel the Rogue. I didn't really like that artwork though, um, but never mind. Uh, the rest are cool. And then, okay, Pathfinder, Beginner Box, Heroes Handbook. This is uh, 72 pages. Um, and what does it contain? We've got uh, character creation, summary at the front, um, the solo adventure, Pirate King Plunder on page two, which is what a few pages about uh eight pages or so by the looks of it and then a getting started section and um yeah just going through it so it's got uh how to create your hero it does have rules for creating your hero and taking things up to second level by the looks of it and let's just actually check that out have i got that right it says second level spells so i'm guessing that's what it gets to but hey maybe i'm wrong um so you can kind of build an elf, dwarf, or a human uh, in terms of the ancestries. Um, yeah, looks good. Uh, leveling up at the back. There we go. Um, every thousand points towards your next level. Takes you to third level. There we go. Um, and then there's a tra apparently there's transition stuff up to high level so that's good to know oh this is nice some blank character sheets printed out um on reasonable stock in full color which is quite nice they're, they're different to the ones that are actually on the website um laid out perhaps a bit more cleanly i quite like that a beginner box game master's guide um this is a 88 page booklet which uh what's it got it's got creatures at the back that's nice um Rules of hazards, environments, yeah, basically how to be a gem by looks of it. Oh, there's an adventure. Uh, cool. This book's for Game Masters, first adventure. Oh, this is really cool. So it means I could potentially run something here. Um, hmm. What have we got? <laughs> uh, first level of a dungeon. Yeah, okay. What have I got here? Oh, it's a big kind of hard stock mappy thing. I, I presume this is the dungeon map. Um, yeah, this third thing. Um, some quite thick card. It's one of their um, flip map things, isn't it? Um, shiny, could be drawn on. It looks like, yeah, two levels of a dungeon. I will uh, keep that secret. And then sheets of their tokens. I do like the um, Paizo uh, tokens, actually. So I've got... Um, Orcs and skeletons and spiders and wolves and all sorts of other things. Um, and some tokens as well for uh, various bits and bobs. So that's kind of nice. And then at the bottom, oh, let's just tick this out. Um, Pathfinder Society, join today, the adventure continues. And then sort of getting you into the core game. Core rule book, advanced player's guide, bestry and games mastery guide, all advertised in here. So there we go. We've got uh, a box with tokens um a dungeon map um we've got gm's guide um we've got 
blank character sheets. We've got beginner's guide to actually the rules, which I guess is for players. Four characters, you know, um, we have a rogue, a cleric, a wizard, a fighter, some player reference cards, um, a quick guide to get you stuck in, and then dice and bases for the things and a sirenscape um, thing, all in a box. And um, I think it was like 30, 30 quid, something like that. Not bad at all, really. Quite nice. Thanks, Paizo. So here's 10 things I like about Pathfinder, or at least the Pathfinder beginner box. Number one, the production values of the beginning box, not to mention the cool rule books and other tomes, they're incredibly high. Good full color books, thick card tokens, laminated flip mat, dungeon mat, nice dice actually, plastic bases for the tokens so they are uprights, and uh, thick paper for the character sheets, sturdy box. It feels like good value. Decent binding, lush artwork. Two, it's written for beginners. There's a solo adventure, a play by the numbers, fighting fantasy style, you know, that teach you the basic rules and give you an experience of the game. And it's a challenging adventure too, not entirely linear, and it has some tough challenges. Then there's the first adventure for the GM, a two-level dungeon that you can run right out of the box, reading as you go with the pre-gens, but it can also handle the players who read everything and make their own characters. It's linear, but the second level has some cool bypasses for the intrepid player. It's not what I would call a great adventure with tons of replay value, but, well, that's not what it's designed for. It's a scenario that teaches the game rules, how to fight, how to roll skill tests, incremental introduction to more complex monster rules, traps, tricks, puzzles, and some interaction scenes. By the end, you are ready to run your own adventures, and the total newbie can, I believe, run it and learn how to play. Beginner box, you know, like it says on the box. Three, it's got character creation rules in the box. You can use the four pregens or you can make your own characters. There are four blank character sheets of a special design that help you find out where stuff goes on the character sheet, cross-referencing with the book. Actually, the character sheet is designed for the beginner, not an afterthought. You can build an elf, a dwarf, a human. You have clerics, fighters, rogues, and wizards. And there are some neat backgrounds in there too. And boom, really, you're off and good for three levels of play. And then you're encouraged to move on to the core rules. That progression is, to my mind, good progression and good marketing to boot. Four, the rules are clearly explained and incrementally introduced. This is good writing, to be honest. There is repetition of core ideas as you read through, designed to reinforce recall of those ideas, and good referencing between the booklets, both internally and between other components. There is an index. Monster stats are where you need them, and basically it's an easy read and very pleasant to boot. Five, there's a nice introductory set of game advice. An example of play, explanations for players, explanations for the same stuff for the GM, from their perspective. Advice on running a game, writing adventures, in fact, encouragement to write your own and to customise what's in the box. Pointers to other connected products that are practical but not essential. Tips and tricks from the more experienced writers which help you to orientate. Nothing earth-shattering for old hands, but again, this is the beginner box. But it's solid enough advice. Six, different monsters. No spoilers from me here, but just take my word for it. You've got some classics of the high fantasy genre, but there are a couple of new surprises and interesting foes right there in the beginner box. It made me smile. It tempts me to run it.
7. The dungeon has loose ends. Again, no spoilers, but there are points to expand, places to go, questions to answer. I like how this encourages you to go do your own thing, and then the right monsters are in the book to help you go do those things. It's hard to explain this one, but imagine the adventure hints at certain foes. The beginner box has those actual foes in the bestiary for you to go and explore. 8. Good reference materials. An A5-ish sized quick reference, one for every player. The back pages of the books are references for key things, like basic stuff, but it's all right there, quick to look up for the beginner. Well, this is gold. 9. Clerics have gods, and gods give clerics spells that you only get by worshipping that god. This is a lovely touch. Yes, clerics can choose from an open spell list, but each of the three example deities give you a special spell, and it makes a difference which god you serve, what your alignment is, and every character choice is meaningful. The same goes for wizards and their arcane school, and the spell's choice is open to them. This is kind of flavour I love. 10. The world is interesting. It's high fantasy, yes, I have seen stuff like this before, but also it's got its own twist on things. New monsters, slightly different takes on things, new looks for classic creatures, and a more modern progressive attitude to roles and role-playing, by which I do mean there is an invitation to be you or not you, however you feel. It's a thoughtful world, I feel. I want to explore it. It invites me to play. Is Pathfinder my perfect game? Well, of course not, but it's a damn good one. If I had to choose a D20 rolling high fantasy game in a classic mould, yeah, I'd choose Pathfinder 2nd Edition. There's lots for me to chew on, but not too overwhelming for the newbie. I reckon teens would love it. There is a power fantasy vibe, but it's not off-putting to me in this particular incarnation. I don't know, but it invites me to play, and I want to play. Game on. I hope you are enjoying this episode of Roleplay Rescue. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast. You can also find the Roleplay Rescue page on Facebook, join our RPR group on MeWe, or follow me at UbiquitousRat on Twitter. If you want to support the show, you can join the Roleplay Rescue Patreon and gain access to weekly Dungeon Masters Diary episodes and early access to every episode of the main show. Patrons also gain access to the Roleplay Rescue Discord. You can find the Patreon page at patreon.com slash rpgrescue. All the links mentioned here are in the show notes. Thanks in advance for your support. For the longest time, I've wanted to run a weekly game, and in truth, Pathfinder might allow me to do it. I think the prescription is a pretty good one. An intriguing world for me as the Game Master enough detail for me to find it challenging either as a GM or a player. Interesting character creation and progression for the players to dig into, nicely customizable starting adventures, enough stuff to play for a few months, maybe three to five adventures I would guess, 12 weeks at least through to third level, maybe more. I reckon it would play really well on fantasy grounds. The automation and access to maps and tokens would light up my tactical heart, and I reckon two to three hour sessions once per week would be easy to prep and fun to play. I am very, very tempted to try. What am I saying overall? Pathfinder 2nd Edition is different to the 1st Edition in ways that I appreciate. Streamlined and efficient, but retaining the detail I seek in a fantasy game. The beginner box is designed for beginners, so experienced players might be advised to skip it That said, it actually does teach beginners the basics. Only the Call of Cthulhu starter set comes close to beating it on that count. 
and it's a fun game to play around with. I have started some self-play and I have got myself into some actual group play. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. So here I am, throwing a curveball into my play, to be honest. I started 2021 with a plan to stick with what I know and found myself beginning to delve that which I previously said I was done with. Pathfinder has reignited my enjoyment of high fantasy D20 based play. It's got me wanting to tell stories where I didn't know I still had stories to tell. And it's fired the inner teen that I buried under 30 years of worry and judgment. So yeah, thanks Paizo. Game on. And now it's time for some call-ins. Hey Jay, Hobbs here. I am listening to podcasts and so I definitely wanted to catch up on Roleplay Rescue. I really appreciate the effort that you take to explain the process of self-analysis and how that helps you throughout your games. Uh, Sometimes I feel overwhelmed by your terminology, maybe, but in the end, I think it is really valuable and I appreciate you for doing it. Thank you so very much. Uh, I can't hardly wait to play some Battle Lords in the 24th and a half century. And uh, love you, man. And uh, I plan on calling in a lot more. So talk to you soon, bro. What a way to start today, hey? Uh, thank you, Hobbs, for calling in. And thanks for your very, very kind words. And yeah, I'm up for playing some Battle Lords too. I guess we just need to find some more players. I know that in the RPR Discord, we've got, what, maybe one more player sort of hanging around there. But the basic plan is very, very simple. As I approach uh, the Easter holiday, which is also when my 50th birthday falls, it would be really cool if we could find a few players to hang online, maybe for a couple of sessions during that holiday period, and play Battle Lords, because I just really got to get the military SF off my chest. So... um, yeah, thanks for sort of bringing that up as well and reminding me about it because I guess we better start planning it soon. So I guess if you're listening to this and you're interested in coming and playing Battle Lords of the 23rd Century and you want to come and play some military SF, then get in touch. Cheers, Hobbs. Jack of all games, master of one. Hello, Jay. This is Aaron Barclay. It's uncanny to me. I'm often thinking about something. And then you'll release a podcast episode that touches on that same thing. This has happened several times, and it's one of the main reasons I support Roleplay Rescue on Patreon. I often have something I'd like to say after such episodes, but for some reason, I don't get around to calling in. Perhaps it's the fact that I get a bit nervous when recording myself and will likely forget half of what I wanted to say. So, if it sounds like I'm reading to you, it's because I am. I've got to write out my thoughts to get past that nervousness. Please forgive me for the tardiness of this commentary on episode 801, Finding My Own Way. Your comments from that episode on wanting to go deep in your gaming, but also being what some would call a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, was that thing I'd already been thinking about. When it comes to gaming and life in general, I have a deep desire to go, well, deep into things, to spend enough time with one game or author or hobby to master the ins and outs of it, to know the rules so well that they get out of the way for the story the group is telling, to have mastery of a system. But I also have what I see as a conflicting desire for new experiences, new books, new games. I've long considered myself a jack-of-all-trades, master of none, 
I struggle to focus on going deep with less things because I'm distracted by all the interesting stuff around me. I have dozens of RPG rule sets on my shelf, lots of unread fantasy novels, and a mountain of unplayed board games. As an educator, I often compare teaching and what I read about education to gaming. I'm part of the classical education tradition. In this tradition, there is a saying, in Latin, multum non multa, much, not many. It's believed that it's more rewarding and educational to study a few books deeply rather than many books shallowly. This, in this idea inspires me. I also recently read a book called The Age of Martha, a call to contemplative learning in a frenzied culture, wherein the author mentions the phrase from St. Thomas Aquinas that goes something like, Cave ab homine unius libri, beware the man of one book. Why? This man will have a knowledge like a deep, deep well and great focus. This idea also inspires me. I'm also reading a book called The Shallows, What the Internet is Doing to Our Brains, wherein the author recounts how his brain has changed over the years as technology increased. He went from a focused, deep reader to someone who is very easily distracted and struggles to concentrate. He indicated that due to the way modern man takes in information, especially through the internet, we can end up as very shallow thinkers. So, what does all this have to do with being a jack of all games, master of one? A few days before listening to episode 801, I was explaining this seemingly conflicting desire again to my wife. I talked about being a jack of all trades, master of none, but wanting to master something to which she replied with the phrase, jack of all trades, master of one. This struck me as quite a good balance. I can have both, right? I since put my games in two categories, that one game I want to master and everything else. My one game is Mithras and Mithras Classic Fantasy, or is that two games? Maybe we'll just call it the RuneQuest BRP Toolkit. That's what I'd like to master. I will always come back to that game, but I'll still run and play other things. If I'm running two games, one should be my mastery game, and the other will be whatever else I'm interested in at the time. I also realize that in order to spend more time with the best games, I'll have to pass over some good games. Likewise, in order to free up more time for the best hobbies, like role-playing games, I'll have to pass up some good hobbies. That's really why I don't play many video games anymore or watch much TV. In these ways, perhaps I can be a jack-of-all-games, master of one. I'm not sure if your listeners will find this message interesting or possibly even a little helpful, but nevertheless, just know that your podcast continues to inspire me deeply. It's nice to know that there's someone else out there that likes to think deeply about role-playing games. Happy gaming, my friend. How does one respond, Aaron? Thank you so much for a wonderful call-in. And in case you're wondering, Aaron didn't use the Anchor process. He just kind of hopped on his phone, I think, and recorded something, stuck it in an email, and sent it on in. And I always love when that happens. It's like a mini podcast in my podcast. And that was just quality stuff. So thank you so much. You got me thinking. I think for me, the, the question of sort of mastering games is a challenge that I'm always interested in. For me, I guess the game I want to master right now is the generic universal role-playing game, GURPS. I just really want to get my head around it and understand how to run things in it. 
like you though i'm really drawn to sort of that brp d100 base as well which is uh, a whole thing that i want to talk about and maybe an episode or two's time classic fantasy with mithras has been sort of for me the, the absolute epitome of that i'm gonna get into it here but you know yeah like you these games are of the highest quality and these are the ones that I, I feel like i want to commit myself to but yes absolutely as i've just been talking about you know there's games i want to try out i want to give it a go i want to see if it's fun and i guess the worry i have is that if i allow myself to get into another game to try another game that it will overshadow that which i want to get deeper into i guess some people just say no i'm going to play this one thing and that's fine but i just feel like i can't quite let go of everything else yet at least not yet but aaron thanks so much for calling in and thanks for your kind words well i'm glad that this show is getting to someone and making a difference for you getting you thinking and once again thank you so much for taking the time to call in hey jay this is tim not another jason uh, I just wanted to call. It's been a while since I've called, and I listened to your podcast about your campaigning and uh, the uh, steps you've taken to, put, I guess, put systems in for 2021 to uh, improve your gaming or try to make it more consistent. And, uh, I like that. I think one of the most important things you said is to run a campaign that you are invested in and and. You have to be invested first, player second. I just, I just believe that. I believe it myself too. With, with that, I am one of those ones who I come up with a campaign idea or thing that I want to run, and then I offer it to folks uh, and those that are interested in it. They can play, and sometimes uh, it doesn't happen, but that's part of it. All right, Shay. Talk to you later. Shay Webster, you are the man. Reese here. Hope you're doing well. I'm uh, just starting to listen to the early access of episode 807 and something you talked about pretty early on kind of struck a chord with me. Very interesting. The idea of the uh, game master versus referee pre-game, during-game conversation. And, uh, it makes a lot of sense to me. I really liked that idea and uh, got my brain working a little bit. Much like you, I like to do more of my prep beforehand, even if I am still using random tables and that sort of thing. Don't seem to do so well on the fly in the heat of the moment. So if I can pre-roll some of that stuff to pick from, it's certainly a good idea. And I am out of time, so hold on one minute. And I'm back. Uh, still listening to the episode in progress uh, your example character is about to jump off the cliff so not entirely sure where that's going to go but looking forward to finishing that up on my way home from work Uh, in any case I think you made a really good point about how being a game master in prep lets you establish setting and figure out where you want the game and at least the outline of your story to go but once you sit down at the table you're more of a referee for how things are happening whether you entirely rely on the dice rolls or eliminate them where you want a particular uh, thing to happen I think is a good point and uh, yeah good stuff and looking forward to finishing up the episode and hearing where the rest of your thoughts go have a great day my friend 
Big thank you to Tim Shorts from Gothridge Manor and good old Reese. Thanks for calling in, dude. It's great to hear from you both. And um, I don't think there's much I can add to those. Just I appreciate the calls. I appreciate the uh, yeah the feedback. Really, it's just good to get. And I'm not going to witter. I'm really, really, really grateful though that you took the time to call in. And that's another episode wrapped. I hope you enjoyed it. If you ever want to get in touch, ask questions or share your point of view, you can leave me a voice message. Thanks to the Roleplay Rescue patrons who support the show through patreon.com slash rpgrescue. Thank you, all of you, for all of your generosity and encouragement. It means the world to me. Thanks also to you, the listener, for taking some time out of your day to listen to Roleplay Rescue. I hope it was worth something to someone out there somewhere. My name is Che Webster. This is Roleplay Rescue. See you again next time. Game on.